0: While we running for your juice, steady gunning, keep on busting at the booths. You know the rules. Little Caesar go ask your homie how I leave you, cut your young ass up, leave you in pieces. Now be deceased. Little kid, don't fuck around with real G's. With the snatch your ugly ass off the streets. So fuck peace. I let the niggas know it's all for life. Don't let the west side ride tonight. <laughs> Bad boy murdered on wax and killed. Fuck with me and get your caps. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It is another episode. Uh, Sorry this week we've not had as much going on uh, on the network as we usually do. We've all been fairly busy uh, because life still exists, even though it's all ending. Um, Tonight we've got on a very special guest. uh, But before we do that, we've got to do some ad reads. And I'm going to move this over here so I'm not looking away from y'all. We've got Tom for 52.com. That's T-O-M-F-O-R-52.com. Tom Quitter runs better than the government, even though his feet don't work because they're like upside down. Go check us out on all these platforms: Twitch, Facebook, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Fa- uh, Twitter, Anchor, and Spotify. Uh, Follow us literally anywhere but Facebook, because the day will come when we get nuked off of Facebook. So you want to get this content, head on over to YouTube and subscribe. Crowned by Gold, the third book in the Royal Green series by Jack Casey. Um, We hear that Jack Casey was on the run from the FBI, uh, possibly due to borrowing money from some inconspicuous or in uh, some bad people we'll say that with some some bad people and uh but it was all good and then he won uh, who wants to be a millionaire and then he had to go on the run again and he's blowing all the money so now he's writing really uh, legally I'm a, obliged to say that they're good books uh, but Jack Casey is a bad man he's a very bad man The Alaska Raven for all your meme needs uh, go check out the Alaskan Raven on Facebook. go check out the libertarian party veterans caucus it's the most veteran thing about the libertarian party outside of the uh you know the infighting because uh there's nothing more military than i hate you because you're associated with the marine corps uh actually i'll tell i'll tell a funny story uh if you see a marine with a red stripe on his trousers or pants whatever you want call them uh that identifies one thing and one thing only a crayon deficiency Uh, That is a Marine who is struggling to get enough crayons in his day. So uh, hand him a box of Crayolas. We've got the Greasy Porcupine. Uh, Go to thegreasyporcupines.org for road services, tune-ups, and maintenance, service, and repair. And you can find out more about how you can donate to the cause. It's a Volatarian uh, solution for automotive repair. Go check it out. It's a lot of fun. And then we've got redemption tactical.com use that link right there redemption tactical.com slash question mark ref equals one november victor x-ray zero go check them out that link helps them help us help them help us the lets them know we sent you uh they've got some awesome gear anything from plate carriers to ballistic face masks to uh i mean if you if you can think of it they've probably made it they've got riot shields if you want to riot the riot control Get your right shield. Uh, copy one of them. Then go to notarealpodcast.com, uh, copy some sweet merch. We've got all kinds of shirts over there. We've got a sweet shirt that we're trying to get organized. We're trying to get the, uh, the picture for it right, but it's a uh, We Will Not Comply with shirt. And it does have my co host's face on it for the will. Speaking of co-hosts, uh, I've got one of those. Uh, his name is uh, William Doherty. How you doing tonight, Will? I
1: appreciate you remembering that you had a co-host, and it's just Will, by the way. But um, do you know what a red patch actually is in the Marine Corps?
0: I do know what it actually is, and I'm not going to go into that. But uh, yeah, no, I've always said it's the, the crayon deficiency.
1: Okay, we'll call it that. Are you, There's a lot of you slang do- around that
0: do you want to say what it is
1: yeah i want to say what it actually is i bet you don't know what it actually is i bet you're gonna say that it identifies somebody who has aids which is the slang joke but the real thing is that it's people who download aircraft for the marine corps which is what i did in the air force the reason they have red patches on their uniform is because in bad combat situations a lot of the marines would start trying to help download the aircraft and act like they were offloading so they didn't have to go into combat so the red patch identifies the people who are actually supposed to be helping with logistics. So the ones who are supposed to fight will actually go fight.
0: Yeah, I didn't take them for being that smart, but I give them that. That's uh I still like the crayon deficiency. That's what I'd always heard. And then the, yeah, there's no I'd such thing as the
1: Marine Corps. They don't have crayon deficiencies. They're plenty well well nutrition in their crayon department.
0: <laughs> that's why the, that's why. Oh Lord. Well, do we want to get to your guest this week? And I'm going to say this. this guest. your guest. You were excited about this guest. You reached out to this guest. It's your mm-hmm. guest.
1: I'll take it, man. Absolutely, we should get to our guest this week.
0: Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, without further ado, Miss Martha Moreno, all the way from sunny Florida. How are you doing? It's so
2: sunny right now, guys. It's late at
0: night. Hi. Is it? It's
1: already dark?
2: It's already dark, yeah, unfortunately.
1: That's too bad. That's giving me uh, bad visions of the future because we're about to be there in Oklahoma, too, so I don't even want to think about it.
2: (laughs) So So, what is this about me being just your guest? I'm sorry. Is there, like, a weird thing going on here?
1: No, I'm I'm just an extremely lazy podcast host, and so I never reach out to any guests ever or ask anybody to be on this show. But I wanted to ask you because we wanted to have you on, and so I, for one time, took initiative. And so I guess I get to claim you for the podcast.
2: <laughs> all right. I'm all yours, Will. <laughs> all right.
1: <laughs> so tell us a little bit, Martha, about how you became a libertarian, because I think that's the most fun thing to ask people here.
2: Oh, boy. Um, it's been a long journey. I started, um, I, I tell this story so often that it's like, um, in the 2000s, I voted for, like, the first time I could vote, I turned, uh, like, 18 in 97, I think. And so, it was a while until I could actually vote for president until 2000. And I voted for <clears throat> George W. Bush. Yeah, I know. I say this. Really- <laughs> so my parents were Republicans, like long, forever Republicans. So I didn't really even bother looking. I knew nothing about politics. I just, you know, you do what your parents did, I guess. At least I did. Voted for George W., then had a child, then started paying attention Um, The day I gave birth to my son, we had the USS Cole, um, you know, targeted with a boat. And I was like, wait, what? Why is this happening? And then we had 9-11 and then we went to war with Afghanistan when Afghanistan had nothing to do with 9-11. I was like, wait, maybe I should start paying attention. So I did. And um, my uncle was... um, you know, a little bit of a libertarian. He's like, I think you sound like a libertarian. I was like, libertarian, are you insulting me? Like, what is this thing? (laughs) And I started looking it up and I was like, yeah, you're right, I think I am a libertarian. And I got really into like John Stossel and at the time Neil Bortz uh, was pretty big with his, um, you know, like zero or or the, the fair tax plan. And, you know, all these things. And I was like, oh, I definitely can get behind these ideas didn't really become active in the party until uh, 2016, when I went all the way to New Mexico to um, volunteer for Gary Johnson and go to his election night party. And, you know, what can I say? I got one over and you guys can't get rid of me now.
1: Hell yeah. My sister's about your age and she got brought in by John Stossel as well. So it makes sense. He was a big influencer back then.
2: He was, I mean, I read his books like, and, and you know, he was great on ABC. He's just a great host. Like, very likable. And then, of course, he's making sense, right? He was talking about all these policies that our government throws at us. And it's like, why? Why are they doing these things? So I think John Hoss, John Stossel, sorry, um, doesn't get named nearly enough. Everybody talks about Ron Paul. And, you know, maybe it just shows my age. But I just think that that uh, Stossel is a great, a great liberty. He still is.
1: And before people were talking about it in the mainstream. But sorry, go ahead, Buleg.
0: No, go ahead. I'll let you do it. No,
1: that's it. Yeah, he was he was on Fox. He was on ABC. He was talking about it before anybody else was, and he was he was radical for a, a newscaster. So
2: yeah, absolutely right. And he got on the Fox Business Channel. Like he, you know he he made it before the you know we're talking about now like people making it into this mainstream. Media. Well, John Stossel did it well before everybody else, in my opinion, anyways. And, um, you know, I was a big fan of Gary Johnson's, too. I thought he was great. And then now, you know, I I don't know if it happens to everyone, but I started off being like normal libertarian. I don't know. It's minarchist or whatever. And now I feel like I've just gone off the cliff, full anarchist, anarcho-capitalist. I'm like, "Mm." (laughs) no government is a good government. Thank you very much.
1: That's how it works.
2: (laughs) You know, when Gary Johnson was talking about the license, I'm like, do, maybe we do need a license. And now I'm like, mm-hmm.
1: you'd be booing him. You'd be with everybody else booing him at the LNC. Right.
2: <laughs> I didn't get uh, it when they were booing him. I get it now.
0: Yeah. So why? Uh, I don't know why. I'm asking why. So Miami's got a lot of stuff going on with the LP. Uh, y'all have, what, five candidates that are running for different offices down there right now? And I believe you're one of them, correct?
2: I am one of them, but I don't know if five um, and, and not all Miami. So the great thing about being in South Florida is we get to like take responsibility for this huge area that is like Miami-Dade and then Broward County. Um, so we have Mike Tremont, who's running in Broward. Um, and I know that um, Dennis Misigoy, but I think he's running a little bit further North. Um, I forget the town that he's in or the area that he's in. Um, so that's three. I'm not sure any other ones. And yes, myself, I'm running here in Miami for commission.
0: Jackson Tubbs, I believe is his name, right? He's running for something in Florida as well. Maybe that's a different state.
2: Maybe. <laughs> I, I, I'm not as involved in the state stuff anymore. I was the vice chair of Miami-Dade for four years. Um, I did my time, guys. Did my time. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, I love the LP, the Florida LP, and uh, our local chapters. Broward has an amazing chapter too. Uh, Miami-Dade is pretty good, but I'm I'm no longer as involved in the local stuff. You know, you gotta you gotta give up a little bit. I've I've taken on so many other things that I gotta let something go. I can't do it all. So, is
1: the commissioner race nonpartisan?
2: It's nonpartisan, and the guy. So how much? The guy go who's hoping to take has been in this office since 1993 good god i know right um he he finally we passed term limits eight years ago and he's finally termed out so i mean talk about needing a change the man has been here longer than a lot of people have been alive
1: me included so whenever your campaign wow both of us so when you're campaigning how,
2: I, you know you... i was in middle school i think i'm a little bit older than you guys
1: <laughs> so how much do you use libertarianism and the word libertarian in your campaign
2: zero i can't hmm. it's a nonpartisan race so i'm not allowed to say that i'm a libertarian candidate i'm just a candidate
1: do you feel like that okay. actually helps your chances
2: probably probably i think if you're not looking at me through the lens of oh she's a libertarian especially my area is very Republican. There's a lot of Hispanics, um, specifically Cubans, Venezuelans, et cetera, that aren't familiar with, um, libertarian in that sense. They, you know, for Latin America, libertarian would be a liberal. So, you know, if I say libertarian, they might not understand, but if I say a liberal, then, uh, that's not a good thing to be in, in America, especially if you're a libertarian. So it's a very fine line to walk. And, um, I don't think it's necessary to be honest. Why? I hope they see me for the things I'm saying and not my party affiliation.
0: So a, a lot of, uh, so if I remember, so I'll, I'll put it this way. It's hard telling what the demographics look like year to year because everything is so skewed by the media and by these polls. Um, but the, the thing that I've seen, I believe in the last eight years is that the demographics for Hispanic voters, especially in Florida, have swung more towards the Republican side uh, due to like this understanding. And you can correct me on any of this. I could be a hundred percent wrong on all of this, Um, but the understanding in the Hispanic like culture or whatever society in that area, most of them are coming from these countries that have a heavy hand or a heavy handed government that has a lot of these like really strong social policies, but are struggling like Venezuela or Cuba or whatever and so they they hear those kind of terminologies being used again, and they just bail and they go to the right. So would would a libertarian that they will speak to people that kind of favor the right as well as talk about some of the criminal justice stuff? Uh, is that kind of like a strong suit that would benefit you in that area?
2: Yeah, so um, anything related to socialism is a problem here. There's actually a candidate that's running in another district, uh, District 3, And all the news that's going around right now of him is that he was Nicolas Maduro's uh, Venezuela's, you know, what do we call him? Dictator. Uh, Yeah, dictator. I I don't want to say president because he's not. So he was his um, lawyer here in the U.S. And so that was what was circulating. And that was enough to, you know, I said, well, I don't think that's enough information necessarily to discard him as, you know, I'd like to know a little bit more about him. And then I went and I looked for him and then I saw that he was a, Flat out socialist. And I was like, okay, no, they're right. Yeah, we can just discard. I'm sorry, not going to even bother um, going any further. And I think that that's really the mentality here in this area. Of course, there's going to be some socialists, you can't really get rid of um, all, you know, the way everyone thinks. But I think the by and large, people don't want that we we've, we are in this country because we had to escape socialism. So then somebody that's like, no, I'm a full blown socialist is not going to work out. But my area is kind of funny. Florida in general is purple, completely purple. It depends where you are. Even Miami. Miami's deeply blue in some areas. But I'm in a particular space. Um, the Miami that you think about when you come to visit, like the beaches or, you know, downtown, Brickell. I don't live anywhere near that. I live in the Miami where people, the suburbs, where people move here. It's a lot cheaper. Um, you know, you raise kids here. You aren't necessarily the party town of Miami. We are way out west. So it's a different demographic. And where I am, it's mostly Hispanic and mostly Republican. Um, But then there's a lot of NPAs too. So I'm really hoping that um, I can capture some of the Democratic voters that aren't going to vote Republican no matter what. And then hopefully some of those NPAs and even better would be to capture some of the Republican votes. We'll see what happens. So I follow
1: Gloria Alvarez, and she's massive. Like she has a huge following, even probably more than any American libertarian does. And of course I have to translate most of the things that she talks about, but what do you think it is about Latino culture that uh, is, is so drawn to libertarianism? Is it the socialism and going the opposite direction, or is there something more fundamental than that?
2: It depends where. So in Latin America, it's it's a slow growth. We've been seeing a lot of people go towards libertarianism uh, in in Latin America in general, especially in the last few years. So in Argentina, we we have Javier Milei, who's um, you know running for office, and he got like this huge percentage. So um, you know in the run in the um, in the preliminary votes, he got like thirteen percent against a whole bunch of other people. So he's definitely in the running going forward, and he draws these huge crowds. So I think that you know libertarian concepts are finally growing in Latin America. What is special about Gloria Alvarez, however, is she's feisty and she's gorgeous and she's smart. So, I mean, who doesn't want to follow some woman who knows what she's talking about? She ran for president, but couldn't become president of Guatemala because she's too young. I mean, you know, I think the the age to run is like 40 and she was like 35. So, I mean, too young to run. But just today I saw a post she put up and and somebody was calling her a socialist or or, I'm sorry. No, somebody was saying that she was paid for by the CIA and she went ahead and turned the camera around and filmed it and was like, go ahead. Tell me to my face. So so, I mean, those interactions are just fun. I mean, we're not going to stay quiet. I feel like that's the the uh, Latina in us who are like, hmm, you think this about me? Cool, tell it to my face. You know, don't don't go tell it behind my back. Come come tell me and all my followers how I'm being paid for by the CIA to uh, come give these liberty uh, talks or whatever. Because really, if the CIA is gonna start paying us to give liberty talks, like, hello, I can give you my address. I'm right here, I'll wait for my check <laughs> I think
1: that's a big uh, self-destruct on there, and I don't think that would happen. But
2: right? I mean, crazy. but wait, if this is a real thing, I want to know. <laughs> you know. I want to be a part of this. If Gloria's getting a check from the CIA, I'm right here, CIA, just saying.
0: How do you sign up for your, uh, your pallet of weapons and cocaine? Uh, I
2: mean, hey, that sounds like a good time to me. I'm ready with a good time, people, okay?
0: <laughs> so uh, there is one thing I did want to uh, ask you about, because uh, speaking of the CIA. Um,
2: <laughs> oh, boy.
0: Yeah, it's not, it's not as bad as you think. Uh, so you ask people in the LP that, like, you say, hey, do you know what's going on in uh, in Cuba? And they're like, ask Martha. I'm like, okay, I'll ask someone. And then I ask a bunch of people. They're all like, ask Martha Breno. I'm like, well, okay, fine. She'll be on the show. I'm going to ask Martha Breno. Do you know? So, yeah. So uh, the, 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 the really sad trend about a lot of this stuff is that Cuba had that great movement um, moving forward as trying to push for liberty. And it fizzled out as as, almost as quick as it came in. And that's one of those things that I think people need to have this continuing uh, draw towards is places like Cuba that are fighting for their liberty every single day. We talk about it here in the United States, but these are people that are risking pretty much everything of their lives that they have left for a little bit of freedom. So what's what's uh, what's going on down there in Cuba?
2: All right. So let's first, uh, what you're talking about, the people were fighting, that was the 11th of July, and um, they haven't stopped fighting. Believe it or not, things are still happening on the island. Um, Just got to put it into context. So on the 11th of July, um, and Cubans have been fighting for a long time, but this is the first time that there were protests that broke out spontaneously throughout the island. Before it was just in Havana, you know, one big protest, and that was it. And it would die down because the government will go out and I don't know if you guys, if it's okay if we, we cuss a little bit on the show, but they go Oh, it's out
1: very much okay.
2: Okay. <laughs> so um, they go out and they beat the living daylights out of people. I mean, there's just like, you know, this is what the Cuban government does. And and they have a point to doing that. They do that so that you're scared. So you don't, you know, cause these problems because people are really hungry. COVID is really bad there. So, you know, there's plenty of cause to go out and, and, and protest. So on, on uh, July 11th, People started protesting and it caught on. I mean, we're talking about the entire island. Over 40 different cities had protests going on. And um, the Cuban dictator, uh, unelected president of Miguel Diaz-Canel, um, went on national TV and said the combat orders have been given. Anybody who's out protesting, who isn't from, uh, you know, their approved people, which is the Communist Party, can be uh you know, basically, I don't know, whatever you want to call combat orders. But when you give the troops combat orders, that's generally inciting a civil war. He basically said, hey, guys, go out and do whatever you want. And they did. They did. They went. um, There's tons of cases of young kids, 15, 16 year olds that have been given over a year sentence for protesting, peacefully protesting, mind you. Um, Over 800 people currently are missing. So and they didn't do it all in one day. So Even like now, people will just, you know, you'll get state police in your house and they'll take you to jail. And so they do this over time. So you're constantly living in fear. And about a month ago, a group of people all around Cuba said, well, we're going to go out and protest again. But the Cuban government said because they had done it without permission, apparently, um, that's why they they were so harsh on people, right? Oh, my God, we have to, you know, we have to punish you because you didn't ask for permission. So they're like, well, fine, we'll alert you. And let you know that we plan on doing this protest on november 20th first thing that came out after that was the cell phone companies or the the telecommunications companies saying well we won't have coincidentally we are going to um do maintenance on november 20th wow we're like, well, that's a problem but i guess you know we'll live through it and then the cuban dictatorship said oh by the way did we forget to mention that we're going to do you know, these military exercises, 18th, 19th, and 20th of uh, November. So we're going to have military people on every street, on every corner. We're just going to be, you know, so the protesters were like, great, we'll do it November 15th then. And then it doesn't hurt anybody. And so now they're they're constantly pulling people in, especially the people that signed their names to those documents saying that they were going to go. They are constantly pulling them in to their offices and um, threatening them intimidating them, doing all sorts of things. I mean, it's absolutely horrific. Just today I posted, there's a um, a journalist, a Cuban journalist with na- uh, Spanish nationality who basically has been taken. We don't know anything about her whereabouts at this moment. So, I mean, it's not just protesters. It's not just young people. It's not just old people. It's everybody. There's nobody that is off limits. And with journalists in Cuba, it's illegal to be a journalist if you're not part of the uh, communist you know, if you don't work for the state, then it's illegal. So anybody who goes to Cuba with a camera is target. Anybody who is a Cuban with a camera is a target. Um, they probably won't have uh, cell phone coverage. They definitely won't have any type of Wi-Fi when it happens. So they're still fighting. It hasn't stopped. It's just you're not seeing it. It's not visual mm-hmm. because they're not out on the streets the way they were. And, you know, when every day is a struggle, when you have to try and find food Um, in 20 different places because you know the place that had food this morning no longer has food and one place sells chicken but then you have to go you know make a line for a piece of soap somewhere else like people live this really tough existence in Cuba and um, as Americans we you know we don't we don't even understand what that's like.
0: Would you say that American uh, not military uh, media is really complicit in a lot of this because I think uh, most of the coverage I had seen from a lot of this was through social media like Twitter and Reddit and stuff like that. Like, I don't I don't think there was much coverage at all in the United States over it.
2: There isn't any coverage, you know, very little. And you're right. Most of the stuff that I get comes directly from the island. I'm not, you know, I'm not getting this information from somewhere, you know, from the regular news. Everything is – and, yes, the United States is complicit, but it's really – it's the entire world. You know, we had somebody that was doing a hunger strike in front of the U.N. As I don't know if you guys know, the U.N. was just in session and um, we had several people and then they kind of started dropping out. And there's this one man that did it the entire month. Nacho Rocha, um, a Spanish citizen, <laughs> no less, um, stood and stayed the entire month in front of the U.N. And they didn't even bother on a hunger strike. The man didn't eat anything for the entire month. And the UN barely, one day, one person came out and took his petition. And then that was the, that was it. We never heard anything else from the UN. Now the UN is supposed to have sent some sort of peacekeeping mission to Cuba. They they should have done something and they're not. And so when you're talking about complicity, it's not just the U.S. It's the entire world. Where is the world that is watching this? What's going on in Cuba? You know, um, I hate to be like a conspiracy theorist or, but you have an entire world that's like, stay home for your own safety and this for your own safety. But then they see 90 miles from our shores, people being killed. And they're like, eh, we don't have time for that right now. Sorry. We're busy, you know, making sure that everybody gets vaccinated. And I don't know what to make of this, to be honest with you guys. It's, it's weird.
1: Yeah. So besides yourself, who should our audience follow to actually keep up, with this to actually see the stories coming out of cuba
2: um any hashtag regarding the 15th of november so we're it's 15 n just 15 n and, huh, and that okay. or 15 n cuba yeah that's that's really the hashtag that they're using everywhere and that'll bring you all sorts of news um you know all sorts of stuff i actually if if anybody speaks spanish twitter of all places, is where Cubans are having these discussions. Twitter spaces does not require um, a lot of data, so Cubans are actually having these discussions live on Twitter nonstop these days, and I think it's just amazing. One of the things that is really amazing to me is, you know, after 62 years of not even being able to discuss politics, I'm listening to Cubans on the islands talking about Mises and Hayek and how, what's the point of going right or left? They just want to go straight towards freedom, and I'm like, we are winning guys. You don't even realize it, but we are winning in Cuba.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll say uh Twitter has been my greatest use for uh information on Cuba. There was actually an individual I was speaking to. I'm not going to say their name uh because they live on the island. And I'm not saying that we're covered uh greatly in Cuba, but that it's there's always that one risk like that name gets said and then that's it. Um, But this individual I was communicating with was, it was during that time of that big protest when everyone was watching and paying attention and now nobody's paying attention. But I I try to say like in communication with this person, they were telling me that um, the only way they could get these tweets out was because they worked in a government sanctioned business, like a business that the government has said, you have to have internet. So they didn't cut their internet. Um, And it's just, it's wild. Like people don't realize like how much like, like how much these people are going through, um, you know. Speaking of hunger strikes, uh, stripes, strikes, strikes. My hillbilly is coming out. Um, but uh, uh, Vladimir Putin's opposition, you know, you see, you see a lot of this stuff all over the world, and it gets coverage. Like the uh, Vladimir Putin's uh, uh, opponent for the you know presidential race out there, whatever it is, um, did that hunger strike, and it was all the spectacle in the mainstream media. But nobody gave a shit about Cuba. Nobody paid one fucking look at Cuba. And they're they're within such a short distance that people could row a boat from Florida to Cuba and do I something.
2: Know. I don't know. That's it's close, but it's not that close.
0: Yeah. Okay. Maybe, 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 yeah. Well, maybe, maybe a motorized boat. They'll, they'll yeah. throw a motor on it. And, Wait, and from Miami, it it's there. about
2: 200, almost 300 miles. So definitely don't row that boat from Miami because it, it's going to be a little far.
0: Well, <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it's so close to our shores that we talk about how we're the arbiters of freedom and truth in the world. And yet we don't even give a shit about our neighbors. We don't even pay attention to the people that are closest to us.
2: You know, right now in Nicaragua, there's um, all the presidential candidates that we're trying to go up against the dictator there, um, are in jail. So, you know, and and that's not covered on our news. I I learned that directly from, from, you know, paying attention to the news uh, of Nicaragua. Like, I can't even get that information here. So what's the point of watching the news? What's the point? And nobody's paying attention to what's happening. And the United States likes to pretend that we're this, you know, beacon of freedom, and we're not. We aren't. Where, like, where do we get this idea from? Show me where we've actually spread some freedom. Um, I propaganda. don't propaganda. Yeah, I mean, I'm so eternally grateful to this country. And and one thing that I have to just kind of throw out there is this country is amazing. Um, It's sad to see the direction we're going in because this, for the you know, 200 years, we have had a pretty good thing. Not for everyone, and I have to say that for some people in this country, we've we've been real um insert whatever word you want to Say it. yeah so um we've not been the best to everyone however this country has been one of the freest countries in the world and this is the place that everybody in latin america was always like well if stuff goes bad here we're just going to go to america and so my biggest fear now is what happens if america gets bad? i can't go back to cuba right now um definitely not going back to venezuela where what's left for us like where are we going if this gets bad, we either stay and fight or, I don't know.
1: Yeah, this we is the last bastion a... for sure.
0: Yeah, this is the last bastion for true freedom, for true individual freedom in the world. And I'm not saying that we even have that now, but this is the last hope that the world has. And we've seen. Can
2: take it over, I hope, I hope. That's like my my thing is, I think we haven't gone too far down that slippery slope.
1: Hopefully. We're here having this conversation. So that's a sign that we still at least have a little bit of freedom left here. As long as we can do that, we're better off than a lot of places.
2: Listen, guys. Re- and re- we lost, re- lost Facebook. We lost Twitter and the unelected president of Cuba is still on there telling people to, to go kill his own citizens. So there's something severely messed up with this country. I'm just saying there's a possibility that it's not all terror.
1: Do you think what do you think it is that causes our media to ignore Central America, Latin America? Do you think it's because we hold a lot of responsibility for the problems in those places? Do you think it's because they're impoverished and they don't have much influence on us? Why do you think we just let that fly under the radar so easily?
2: One Americans don't care. They don't. I mean, when I was when I was younger and living in Venezuela, I would come to the United States and I remember one time I was at my dad's farm in Wisconsin and I met somebody and they're like, where are you, where is it that you guys live? And I'm like Venezuela. And they're like, what part of Mexico is that? And I was like, Oh God, (laughs) I was nine years old. And I was like, I'm sorry, but I'm pretty sure Venezuela supplies all of the oil you guys use. So, um, you know, I think most Americans just don't care. Let's be honest. We, we barely take geography in school. We don't know. You can ask most Americans like to name a few countries in Latin America or Central America. And they're like, So I think that's the number one. We just don't care. And then, yes, number two is if they start talking about the problems in Latin America, then it's really easy to point a finger at the United States. One of the biggest things that I talk about all the time is our drug war. So why is it that we have this immigration problem here in the United States? Well, let's look back at what the United States has done. So if you're a farmer in Central America or South America, the number one crop that you could probably grow and become well-off and sustain your family might be either coca leaves or cannabis, you know, things that people here in America want. Latin America, they don't consume it. So it wouldn't be for Latin America. It would be for the U.S. And they can't do that legally because the United States said, hey, guys, if you guys grow this, we're going to come and drop bombs on you. So, you know, they created cartels. It created the narco regimes. Cuba, they're one of the biggest ways that they source uh, money is they allow the cartels to – ship medicine through the straits, um, and everything passes through Cuba to come into Miami. So that's where they make a bulk of their money. Why aren't we talking about this? If you want to get rid of the dictatorships, the first thing you got to do is get rid of the war on drugs. And then that'll help people that have farms, that have, you know, that want to have a regular livelihood back in their homes, so they don't have to move here. I mean, again, prohibition in the United States caused all these problems, And then it's doing it now also, but with, you know, bigger problems because prohibition lasted, what, less than 10 years, whereas cannabis prohibition and drug prohibition were on 80 plus years. So all of those things that we're like, oh, that was horrible back in the 1920s. Well, we're still doing it. But whenever we talk about drugs, whenever you go out into the real, you know, the real world, not libertarians, and you talk about drugs, it's it's like, oh, no, but drugs are bad. Like I know they are, but it's even worse to you know all the problems that are associated with this drug war. But it's not a conversation we're going to have. So both United States people in America, we really don't care. And then you know then we'd have to actually take responsibility. So it's it's a big issue. It's a big issue, and if we don't talk about it, who's going to talk about it?
0: If uh, if I was the CIA, and I'm I'm not going to put on my tenfold hat too too hard. Uh, I mean, if I was the CIA, and I might supposedly have some control over the, the mainstream media. I wouldn't want people digging around in countries where I've had the most involvement in. Mm-hmm. Um, the CIA has more, has had, and it's been proven with leaked or with uh, declassified documents that the CIA has spent more time in Central and South America than anywhere else on the planet. Uh, maybe maybe that's why there's absolutely no coverage of what's going on because you know it, it's probably pretty easily tied back to the CIA and their involvement with almost all of it.
2: I mean, yeah. Do, do you guys
1: think that the CIA runs our media right now? Because i I, I do.
0: I'd say they have a hand in it.
2: I, I don't know enough. I'm pretty sure that it's, you know, there. When you look at the what's going on, like, why does the media all cover the same story? Why does the media all say the same things? Maybe. I mean, sure, they're doing a great job of propaganda. That's for sure. And it's
1: almost the omission that I, I think is the proof. It's like it's all the things that they don't cover, the things that they don't say to me that says that if anybody was unbiased and neutral and really wanted to get truth out there like journalists used to do, it would be obvious. But that is absolutely not what you get from the mainstream media. We know about Project Mockingbird, and there's no real proof that that ever ended or that you know there was ever real investigations into it. So I think it's pretty um, self-explanatory to me that it's still happening. I could be wrong, but that's, I'll put the tinfoil hat on hard in that department.
2: <laughs> I mean, but look at like the tinfoil hat people, it, it, you know, when COVID started, the people were like, hmm, you mean this virus originated in, in China and that, you know, and it was like, no, you guys are conspiracy theorists and all of this. And now it's like, oh yeah, by the way, not only did it originate there in a lab uh, using gain of function, to, you know, like we're trying to do this stuff with gain of function, but also, oh yeah, the United States was funding it. So All of us with our tinfoil hats. Here we are, and it's
0: not so crazy, crazy, huh? Yeah, not
2: crazy. (laughs) So I'm not sure that I'm I'm that upset that people are calling us conspiracy theories theorists.
1: It's more of a compliment these days.
0: Yeah, I think it means
2: you think you think for yourself.
0: Well, this is your guest. I will leave you with the final question. She claimed you, not me. So I'll I'll let you have the final question.
1: How can we support your campaign, Martha, and what should we follow and what should we uh, invest in to support Cuba and what's happening there?
2: All right. So first and foremost, I'm running for office, but that's not really my primary focus. And I probably shouldn't say it like this so often, but um, <laughs> my, primary, my my race isn't until November of next year. And let's be honest, guys, I really want that job um, just so that I can – talk a lot about the problems that are happening in Miami and so that we can hopefully start fixing it. But that is a seat of one of 13 people has great power. They have over a $9 billion budget. And I really want to sink my teeth into um, making that budget as small as humanly possible and keeping money in people's pockets. But my primary focus right now, and the thing that really moves me and gets me up every day is people for Cuba Um, we are getting medicine into the hands of people in Cuba. And um, that, to me, is the biggest thing. So really, if they want to support me, thank you. I appreciate it. You can go to tinyurl.com slash and you can support my campaign there. Um, My website should be live tomorrow, which is marthabueno.com, but we've had a few technical issues there. It should have been live already. Um, Peopleforcuba.com people, the number four, cuba.com, is um, how we are getting stuff to Cuba. And that website, please don't kill me, it's it's terrible, it looks terrible. We're getting a new one, but this is, we've only been doing this for about two, just over two months now, and we've already gotten close to a thousand pounds of medicine into Cuba. And um, we're now working with other groups to try and get even more. Um, hopefully, you know, now with the 15th of November protest, it's a little harder, it's getting a little bit more difficult. Um, but we, you know, that's really where, where I want people to go. That's really the thing that I want people to care about because, um, people are dying in Cuba and we may be doing a bad thing by sending them medicine, but I, I mean, people are dying and I can't just sit around and do nothing for them. So if you really want to support me, peopleforcuba.com.
0: Martha, we appreciate you coming on tonight. And, uh, Maybe, maybe there's a gun running expedition that needs to come down the pipeline very soon. Uh,
2: uh... so they remove removed proclamation sixty eight sixty seven. We might be able to do that, but um, the United States prohibits us from getting in any boats and heading towards Cuba. Uh, otherwise the fine is up to $25,000 a day. Confiscation of your best one up to 10 years in jail. So nobody should be heading to Cuba for any reason. Uh, because I don't want to see people in jail here in this country. Crazy! Don't
0: run, don't run guns to Cuba.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, do it better. Yeah, so many boating accidents. Yes, yes, plenty. I know I've experienced some myself. It's amazing. <laughs> Those waters are rough.
0: Well, <laughs> well Miss Brano, we we deeply appreciate you coming on tonight, and uh, you've got so much awesome stuff coming down the pipeline, and we appreciate you.
2: Thank you guys Take for having podcast. me on. Appreciate it
0: not so it sounds like uh you and i need to start a a a non-for-profit where we just you know some people can run medicine but i think 556 is the greatest medicine for tyrants.
1: (laughs) they gotta have something to fire the 556 from but let's let's talk hong kong too how about you take cuba i'll take a little bit longer trip across the pacific and we'll get some guns to people
0: let's do it we'll uh we'll just
1: hope you're watching this (laughs)
0: baby. Hey, uh well, uh, we'll just what was that movie? Uh War Dogs. We'll we'll, we'll become those guys except instead of selling them to the government, <laughs> we'll just give them away Dude, for free. That's a
1: great idea. We'll get a government contract to build stuff for the military and then we'll secretly just use all the money the government gives us to funnel weapons to other countries.
0: Uh this well, is good. I am technically a manufacturer, so I can build it here and then they'll be like, Oh yeah, it's sure, it's fine, whatever. And then we just delete need to this find
1: episode. Someone. We can't let this get out. We have too much work to do now, dude.
0: We uh we just need to find someone with a really fast <laughs> boat. So if you're if you're in I need to Google five five six. Uh so if you're on the, the east coast and you've got a really, really fast boat, uh hit me up.
1: With a lot of gas. It's it's not just the speed. You to go ninety miles, you need a you need a yacht, essentially, but you'll figure it out. Just, just get it. I have a paddleboard; you can borrow it.
0: Yeah, we, well, yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out. I mean, hell, <clears throat> I know someone in Georgia with a with a plane, so maybe we can uh just do some airdrops.
1: Now you're talking. That's a lot more practical.
0: Yeah, we'll just do some airdrops, and ma- you know, maybe maybe bootleg falls out of the plane with a parachute, and he helps train the locals, and maybe the bootleg battalion gets kicked off in Cuba, and then maybe.
1: Let's start the gold berets, the libertarian version of the green berets. The gold just, berets. Like, go fucking train all the libertarians in all the local areas and teach them how to shoot and how to fight back.
0: Let's do it. Uh, like Rico's Rangers from uh, some, yeah, some Starship from... Troopers. Yeah, it's, let's uh, do it's it. Boot, it's bootlegs, bastards. We uh... all right. I'm
1: not going to be in it if you name it after yourself. But okay,
0: we'll talk. <laughs> uh, Tell me you're a narcissist without telling me you're a narcissist. Facts. <laughs> so there's one other thing I wanted to discuss while we've got a little bit of time left. Uh, it, it did get brought up, the gain of function research. Have you seen the uh, images from that research that Fauci funded where they locked the dogs in those boxes around their yes. necks and they had the the maggots or flies or whatever eat their heads?
1: Eat them alive? Yeah, it's absolutely disgusting. Um, I just want to point out Jason Booth's comment, Cubaloo. That's the greatest thing I've ever seen in Cubaloo. at least the last week. So congratulations, Jason. Great job. Um, <laughs> yeah, dude, it's absolutely disgusting. And the fact that now the NIH is actually admitting that they did fund gain of function research, everything in our government's completely twisted. They're all they're all liars and full of shit. And we're learning about it more and more every day. The question is, how do we get normal people to care?
0: Well, so here's here's how we get them to care, right? We make it so inconvenient for them. My chair won't roll. Uh, we make it so <laughs> inconvenient for them that they can't ignore it anymore. Like people are fine with like however much tyranny the government's willing to dish out, as long as their standard of living remains the same. That's exactly right. Once shipments stop coming in, once truckers stop driving, once airlines start canceling, you know, let's say two thousand flights. Let's, let's, just, let's just let's just use that number. Uh, arbitrarily it's it's let's say two thousand flights and uh once once those conveniences of the first world start disappearing people can't ignore it anymore they may be upset by what's going on but they're like well it doesn't really really affect me does it um but once those inconveniences come to your door and it starts looking more and more like a third world country uh and or to them it'll feel like that you know you got empty shelves you've got you don't have parts for cars, which we don't. You don't have new cars on lots because there's nothing being made. Yeah. Uh, those inconveniences stack up. and uh, That's right. We got to make sure that when that happens, they
1: listen to us and not the same bullshit yes. politicians they've been listening to for the last 200 years. But I think that we're getting closer and closer to that, man. It's, it seems like people are waking up left and right. Um, it's getting so much more mainstream everywhere you look and – We've got voices like Martha now who are able to reach people that you and I could never reach. And there's more and more voices like that all over the spectrum. So it's happening
0: in the well, world. And, you and you've got people like Joe Rogan. He's not, he doesn't go on the show and talk about libertarianism, but in a lot of ways, his beliefs are very libertarian. He voted for Jorgensen in 2020. Mm-hmm. He's talked about it on Twitter being libertarian. Um, there are people that are catching on to this that are mainstream they're just not being super open about it they're not like using their platform to to beat people to death with it but there there is this push
1: we need joe to get rich enough so he stops caring about money and cares a little more about libertarianism because i think he wants to keep his viewers happy but we need him to just get over that he's he's on the verge i think uh the more libertarian anarchist types get on there the more they'll wake him up yeah, and Braxton's right. He's also a collectivist. There's a lot of things in which he leans socialist. So he's well, he's there. The, he's there, but he's uh, he needs a little more waking up for sure.
0: There's there's also a lot of collectivists in the LP too. It's not like we are excluded from that. There are. It's a, like
1: it's like ninety percent real anarcho-capitalist types. There's like ten percent or even less than that that are like anarcho-syndicalists, anarcho-communists, those types. But. Uh,
0: yeah. I wouldn't even say ninety percent anarcho-capitalist. I would say it's probably a much more narrow split for anarcho-capitalists. I think there's a lot of minarchists.
1: Yeah, you're right. I use that term incorrectly. But what I mean by that is there's a lot there's over ninety percent of right libertarians, which means if you're looking mm-hmm. at, you know, the four quadrant spectrum, they're gonna be on the right side of the bottom. The bottom left is definitely a vast minority of of who we are. Um, and honestly, their arguments are shit and they get they get their ass is kicked in every debate ever, and they always will because that's how socialism works.
0: Yeah, it's 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 all fun and games until you realize you're the one working for nothing, um, <laughs> for real. But yeah, I mean, it is it is interesting. There there is this push. There are certain people. Yeah, I mean, he he supports those things. I don't think that's the end all be all of that. I mean, a lot of people had really shit ideas on freedom when they came into the party and i think maybe it just takes time maybe getting someone like spike cohen or justin amash on his show and like that alone because that's what a two and a half hour show and that could change his mind spike spike would change the world
1: on that show that's that's exactly the person that we need i mean justin amash would be good but he'd, he'd be a little too vanilla if spike was on that show Joe Rogan would probably have to drop LSD that night and completely rethink his life.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. But, uh, yeah. So go follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, uh, all of the platforms, every single one of them, not a real Copy some sweet merch. You can find out how this show started this show right here and the network, how it all started. Um, there's some pictures of us on there. Uh, you don't have to look at those. They're not great. Uh, we're all ugly. Um,
2: go to Natalie,
0: <laughs> Natalie We had a great weekend with her. Uh, Natalie is the mom, the future mom of Oklahoma, as well as the future governor of Oklahoma. Um, you know, will Mr. William there, he, emceed uh, the, uh, the protest against or for ending the, the death penalty in Oklahoma. Um, there's a lot of great speakers there. There's a a ton of great speakers at the dinner, um, where she raised money for a I can't remember the organization. It's a, Hope it's a, is Alive. It's a, yeah, it's a sobriety organization, Hope is Alive. Um It was a great weekend, hopefully. Uh you know, I've I've got my my Natalie Bruno volunteer shirt upstairs. It goes right up there with the collection of all the other ones. So uh Hell
1: yeah. Follow the Libertarian Party Veteran Caucus. Um, we just filed as a non yesterday, so I'm pretty pumped about that. So we can start taking money very soon. So good stuff coming out of the works for us. And uh, that's all I got.
0: Nice. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of great stuff coming down the pipeline. I've got <laughs> something. Well, Will's actually involved in what I've got going on as well. In the,
1: oh, <laughs> Are we talking We're- about that yet on the air?
0: Not yet. We're I'm teasing it. I'm doing the little cock tease. We're uh, we're 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 hopefully going to announce soon what we've got going on, but if you're surprised at all, it has a lot to do with guns. Uh, I know that's very shocking coming from me. I am someone who hates guns. I think there should be more gun legislation. Uh, I think ARs are scary and dangerous, and nobody should have them. But um, we've got some awesome stuff coming down the way on that. We're gonna be uh looking for someone with a very fast boat or maybe a plane to run guns to Cuba. <laughs> <laughs> faster than uh, the coast guard. Then, yeah, faster than the faster oh. than the the coasties. Uh but yeah, it uh I'm still I'm still stuck on last week's episode where uh where we, we got to talk, we I believe, I still I still firmly believe that we are the first libertarian podcast to have on a oh, foreign, man. yeah, the president of a foreign nation. That was cool.
1: I forgot, I was like, what was last week's episode? But it's because you were here, it threw me off. But yeah, this is good
0: stuff. Well, I do believe that's it. Um, go to redemptiontactical.com, use our link. Uh, check out all of our sponsors. They're awesome people, except for Jack Casey. He's a piece of shit um but outside of that man Martha Brano oh I didn't get to tell Martha Brano she's not a real libertarian I I, I fucked up I that. I, I'll sure. just I'll just tweet her
1: yeah yeah there you go
0: I'll tweet her well ladies and gentlemen boys and girls and attack helicopters we love you and you're not a real libertarian also Fuck Jack Casey